0: So welcome to the point of everything. It's myself, Ono Sullivan, and Keelan Sherlock here, and we're in St. Luke's and we're joined by Joe Kelly now, who's the director of Live at St. Luke's.
1: Um I suppose, whatever. General <laughs> Dogs Body. I suppose we booked myself and Ed O'Leary booked the uh, the gigs. Um like we basically what Live at St. Luke's is St. Luke's is a, an old Church of Ireland church on the north side of Cork City, about 10 minutes walk, maybe 15 if you're slow, um, from the city centre. It basically holds about 500 seated, but it's far insured for 400, so thankfully we don't have sightline problems like a lot of churches. Um, so basically it was deconsecrated about 10 years ago, and it's been owned by the city council, and so it's kind of bar a few local little events, it's kind of been sitting idle for basically 10 years, you know. Does deconsecrated de- just mean that it's not used as a church anymore? It's not as a church. And the same guys, they're kind of like the 007 hit squad. You know the guys that go after the devil, those guys religiously? There is actually, is actually—I'm as much as it sounds funny, there is actually fellas, whether it's Catholicism or Protestantism, that would, um, what's the word I'm looking for? like if you were a devil or a omen you know they'd ex, ec, yeah well the same department of churches are the guys who come along and deconsecrate it so it's basically <laughs> unholying it making it unholy you know yeah it, there's a lot of
0: sound in the background because you're still kind of preparing for it it's two days before the first um act is on the balanescu Quartet. Quartet, or on Friday.
1: Yes, so that's uh, Alexander Balanescu, who has worked with like David Byrne, he's worked with um, uh, Steve Reich, he's worked with loads of interesting people um, and they brought out a kind of a seminal album in about 1992 called, I think is it Repossessed or something? But anyway, it's a, it's a cover version, it would, would have been the first of those cover version albums that uh basically they did craft work so like this brilliant version of computer love blah 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 but they'd be kind of cred in um classical circles whilst they'd be kind of alternative at the same time you know and, and so then cork also. act talos is supporting it. um
0: what what made you actually want to start up live at saint luke's i mean Y- you were involved with the pavilion which closed down about 14 months ago, 15 months ago at yes, this stage. July, July 21st. Mm. Um, do you want do you want to get uh, nostalgic about the fam no, for a while?
1: No, no, Actually, do you know what? Like anything... Like, do you know... I, to answer that question in a roundabout way, um, I was... I would have worked in Henry's back in the early 90s and I was in that building for about four, four and a half years and I remember the day I walked out and because... I had started running other club nights in other venues in the city. Effectively, the owners didn't. They wanted you exclusive, but they weren't prepared to give you other gigs. And it was like, look, I have to do other things. So but anyway, in 95, mid 95, I decided to leave for my own reasons, basically because I didn't want to take, you know, people telling me what I could and couldn't do. But I remember walking out of that building that day and the weight lifting off my shoulders and going, "Wow, well, well, that's Grand Parade Hotel's uh, hotel slash Sir Henry's behind me. Now, I knew that within a year I'd be starting a bar, which was the Bodega with guys from Dublin and a partner, Dennis Milan in Cork. So it was almost when, to answer your question, when the path closed was tying into that emotion of, I was involved in the Bodega for 10 years officially, but realistically six and a half. But, so, you know, even though you're saddened because the pavilion upstairs is a beautiful building, at the same time, it's like, do you know what? It's you, you. You kind of have. You're. You have an involvement. Now, obviously, the monetary loss from the pavilion is a terrible thing, but you go. If you ask me, which would I rather? Uh, I'd have to kind of say St Luke's to the Pavilion. You know what I mean? Because, like, I suppose t- what we would hope to do with here is kind of say to have unique and special gigs, and maybe you know 40 or 50 a year rather than saying this wednesday we've so and so on and there's 20 people like what's the point in going there i would rather this be somewhere to say that which we have looked into but it didn't happen this time i'd rather say you know john grant or you know hypothetically if i had magic wand go bjork with the heritage orchestra playing here the list goes on you know i believe that it will allow us but because we only had three months, maybe three and a half months to get it together this time, we kind of had to go for Irish rather than international like international acts you 'd need sometimes five, six seven, eight months to really get them on board so this this version A um, is basically just august was let 's get a broad um, a, uh, you know a broad palette of You know stuff like Carol Sullivan that maybe elderly people might be slightly more interested because it's opera, all the way down to Little Green Cars, which would be probably a younger demographic, to Panty Bliss, which, you know, probably if you come in, it'll be probably more women and gay men than, you know, the straight crowd, etc. Donal Lunny, you know, um, Paddy Glacken, there might be a few beards and woolly jumpers, (laughs) you know, so basically what we're trying to say is you know a little bit something for everyone in the audience so but going forward because this is only a trial period as i say in september now there's um Mary Kingston has Sounds of a Safe Harbour, so there's a surprise gig that I can't tell you about. Well, I'll tell you when you stop recording. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's on the Friday Culture Night, and then there's two other gigs, Juliana Barwick, mm. and there's another Icelandic guy that I can't pronounce his name.
0: Can you pronounce his name, Keelan?
2: No, I'm not even going to try. Yeah, and he probably knows <laughs> Iceland. is hard enough. Yeah,
1: Barwick's <laughs> hard enough. So, yeah, so does that answer but pavilion? <coughs> I or wonder. Does it? Not really.
2: I wonder how St. Luke's. I mean, you've been, I know I know you are a long time, so I know that you've been around, you've done the Henry's, I know that you're involved in the Bodega, Savoy, the Pav, all of those things have had like a massive impact on Cork's personality and culture, like late night culture, I would say. Mm. And so this is like definitely a massive departure, but it, I wonder how you th- see St. Luke's fitting into that personality that Cork has had.
1: Well... Okay, to answer it this way, what I would say with that is thank you very much for saying that and please God, you know, with the people I've worked with over the years that that has been the case. But what I would say is that every venue is unique, okay? So like when you come here, if I was to say to you, uh, here we are, which, um, you know, we can hold 400 people seated, um, why would we be bothered putting on Swedish House Mafia? A, we wouldn't get them, but B, I wouldn't want to get them, like if it was the last band of the world. So I'm saying you tailor what you do to the venue that you're in. Like, for example, the PAV was 400 standing. This is 400 seated. You know, you can actually kind of go up a level in that, if other than the two little issues with heat and toilets, which uh, we've we've got a plan for this version, but in the medium term, they have to be sorted. But um, so, I just think with St. Luke's and the fact that it's in the north side, the fact that it's not on the island of Cork, because if you're listening to this and you're not from Cork, we have the south side. The uh, main city is built on marshes on an island in the centre, and then we have the north side of the city. And there is a bit of a divide. I mean, you'd find that in Dublin, you'd find in many cities, but almost slagging-wise, we'd almost say to the southsiders, come over and have a look at the north side, because it is remarkable that people that live in the south side wouldn't know (coughs) the the north side, and vice versa, for that matter. You know, so even on that basic level of which you know, I've I've mentioned in the last few months was that in London, our many other cities, you'll have the city centre and if you go out the road 10 minutes there might be a little village, so we'd we'll say in Dublin you might have Sandy Sandymount or, or yeah, Ratgar, Ratmines, those type of areas. And in Cork St. Luke's actually has that, I mean it'd be lovely to think that um, you, you have that vibe in Black Rock, but it's too spread out, bound Temple, Black Rock spread out. Sundays well, again, there's no centre, but it's a lovely area. Saint Luke's with Henshew's with the wine tavern with the O'Keeffe's artisan food shop, blah blah blah. And there's a few two Chinese restaurants and a few other bits and bobs. There's actually a villagey feel here. So it's almost trying to enhance the fact that it's somewhere where you're unfamiliar with. Um, and, you know, the same thing with the building, is that what we hope over the course of the eight gigs is people walk in here and end up, it's like, there's a word for it, you might know it own, because I don't, there's a word for when you go into a cinema, like daytime, and you get into the film, and you come out and you're like, wow, the real world. So in a sense, that's what we were trying to create by just saying, when you come into this building that you're totally unfamiliar with, because unless you're Church of Ireland, or, you know, had been at maybe one or two concerts here, that unfamiliar is a really good thing, because what happens is when you go to a venue, wherever you go, whether it's Dublin, Galway, Cork, Limerick, New York, to all your listeners in New York. (laughs) But you generally, if you're familiar with a building, you stand in the same place every time. So, you know, Johnny so-and-so stands over there. So when people come in, it's always very interesting to watch. They haven't a clue where to sit, where to stand, none of these things. And that slight little bit of edge gives you an unfamiliarity, obviously, but equally it's like it can add to the magic of, you know, hopefully what the gig, if they're good, um, brings to you.
0: It kind of sounds like you're doing something akin to what Quarter Block Party is doing and that you're kind of going out of the f- familiar places, you know. You're not doing it in a traditional venue. You're kind of yes. Quarter Block Party, which Keelan was a part of, you did it in North Main Street. I mean, do you see kind of similarities between... Quarter block
2: party live at St Luke's. How did this turn into interviewing me? Mm. Uh, <laughs> you're, I, you're sitting in front of me. Yeah, I guess so. I I think that that's what um, it seems like to me. That's what people in Cork audiences in Cork are looking for because from the way I go out and the way I w- sort of witness friends of mine interact with bars, there's a lot of pain involved in just like wanting to go see live music. The way th- things are structured now, late night bars taking gigs and DJs that everyone's crammed up and it's mainly about trying to sell drink and I think I genuinely feel like people are getting a little bit bored of that uh, way of doing things and I think what Joe was saying about like bringing uh, great acts doesn't matter the size of the city but once you bring quality I really don't think people have a problem paying for that compared to paying for a drink and going out and seeing a band for free and it, and it encourages this, this Kind of idea that you don't actually need to pay for music, you don't need to pay for a kind of culture, and your your city ends up become, becoming coming very placid, and a bit dull, and it's not something I'm very and interested in.
1: On that note, do you know what I mean? Like I look back, I'm forty five, but I look back when I started doing things when I was when I came to Cork when I was eighteen, I came to UCC, and like Henry's, for example, are if we say in New York CBGBs, are you speak about you know any other cities? You'll find that the real like Henry's was a shithole. There was piss pouring out of the ceilings in the back bar. I mean, I remember seeing guys, um, uh, you know, a little deranged, to say the least, standing there under piss coming out of the ceiling and thinking it's water gone, death and buzz, you know? So the thing is, what I'm saying is, I know it's funny for a podcast, but hmm. I am making the point that, and I'm partially involved in a, I'm criticizing myself in that, like with everything, so when things are shit, like the 80s in Cork, because Ford, Dunlop, whatever, fell in 1983, and the city was impoverished. Um, so that's why Henry's, in a way, was so important, because it was the counterbalance to, well, we've got nothing, but at least we've got a really good PA and somewhere to dance, even though it's dirty and you know, shit on the floor or whatever. So, But as the years went by, as bars and venues got nicer and nicer and gentrified and you know blah 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 it's almost taken the spit and sawdust and the almost the CBGB's you know vomit on somebody I'm not advocating that but I'm just saying it does add to the atmosphere so maybe in a roundabout way I think what Quarterback as well uh, did and you know you could say in Cork terms probably that Mother Jones is doing slightly with the the few secret gigs that happened there but it's (laughs) there's no gigs there (laughs) But, but, But that whole thing of that, you know, people should go for all the right reasons. And unfortunately, you almost have to go back to nothing. Like ironically, when Henry's was at its peak, the Henry's bar was where I used to DJ called the Donkey's Ears. The Donkey's Ramo would hold 120 people and, you know, maybe 100 normally. And that was the epicentre of the whole scene, per se. Granted, there was other bars, but they were slightly more to do with people that were going to Henry's because it was the thing to do rather than, um, you know, The Donkey's Ears, which is on Union Key. it's gone now. But that really was the epicentre. And then in kind of indie terms, there was, which is now the Sexual Violence Centre, in Cork was the Liberty Bar. Now, the Liberty Bar didn't even have taps. They served two litres over the counter. You could buy a two litre of, at the time Bulmer's was a bush drink, it wasn't for golf clubs, <laughs> and you could get devil's bit, but they'd you'd buy a two litre and they'd hand it over to the counter and you'd sit there and the bar was like, falling to bits like the place was awful but if you meet anyone that actually went there it's so embedded in their psyche so I'm not kind of going generational but I do think that we almost need to self implode before something mm. good so in a sense to me having gone to a few things at quarter block I'm saying that's the great thing is you almost have to start small and build up and build up and build up you know but um,
0: yes it, it sounds like you're a little bit bored with kind of the the venue the traditional venues the traditional places in cork city at the moment would that be fair
1: i mean do you do you still go to many
0: gigs around here or no
1: no i don't but that's you know that's partially to do with when you're involved in music for 20 20 something years it's like it's you know the last thing a gig promoter should do if they're going to go out is go to a gig you know when you're my age it's like just give me a field of flowers up a hill. You know, <laughs> that sounds cool. That's different. You know, but um, in truth, um, no, it's not so much the board, but there is apathy. I mean, there's huge amount of apathy with people. I mean, I... There a while ago, uh, you know, you'd go around to a few bars, and you just go, people don't give a toss. And I'm saying, until now, you could say, oh, you know, I'm not trying to say, hey, 25 years ago it was all better. There was apathy there as well. But the whole point is, people actually did give care about the music, and I just think that between hipsterism and fashionism and all this, and because too much information, if I could put it that way, that back. Back years ago it 's like you might know such and such a band or such and such a track, and you 'd tell your friends about it, but you know you 'd want it a bit, hush shush, do you know what i mean and But now, um, you know we could just say pick a band you know mind sign that didn 't play in mother jones 's so I go tip 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 mind sign m n d whatever one of those silly spellings as usual, mm-hmm. so put it in at mindsign, and I can go listen to four of his tracks Nah, don 't like it." What that doesn't put into the soup is the fact that maybe as a live performer he's amazing. Because there's some bands I would argue out there that are absolutely amazing live, but they can't put it on record. So there's bands that are brilliant live and brilliant on record. But you know, people are too judgmental. You'd almost argue perfect gig venue, perfect club would go, I'm not telling you who's on this Friday, but just trust me that it's a good band because we've never put on a bad band. and. Like, if you're at a festival and you wander around the place, you almost want to wander into a tent and go, who's on? I haven't a clue. Jesus, they're really good. Who are they? Who are they? I haven't a clue. Who are they? So it's that mystique that is all missing. There's too much information out there. So you'd almost have to argue that, like, you will see probably more private parties or little festivals like the one that didn't happen in the woods in McCroom or somewhere this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. with 50 people. Those things are, you know, so I just think we have to almost, um, you know, uh, fall apart before we build ourselves up again, you know. But in saying that, you know, I would have thought like when we say in The past we put on Per Ubu. Now, you know, to people that really care about music, he was there, you know, pre-punk, you know, as an interesting American new wave. Well, new wave wasn't even invented then. But... And like we put them on in Cork and 60 people turned up. So that's the other side of it is you've got all these people saying, hey man, there's nothing going on. And then you put stuff on, they don't turn up. So, you know, being honest with you, it's almost like what's important to come out of Cork is a few good labels because it is per se expert related that there's people possibly listening to this out foreign. But you know, if there was a good Cork label, I'm sure there's a few, well, there's Art for Blind, there's maybe Feel Good Loss. But you want to think people outside in other countries will buy your stuff, you know, because I still think there's an air of apathy, and I don't think people... You have to invest in something, and I don't mean monetarily, I mean emotionally. That, you know, I remember when I went to the took as a young fella, and you'd be like, oh, Jesus, they're sending me to the Gaelthuk for the summer. By the end of the three and a half weeks, you'd come away going, that was the best three and a half weeks of my life. So the whole point is, if you go in with a negative attitude, it's going to be crap. If you go in saying, do you know what? open my mind, surprise me. Well, then you'll have good nights. And so, unfortunately, the prejudgment of what something is uh, occurs all the time because people are like, oh, I'll check them out on YouTube. And it's like, maybe you shouldn't check them out or maybe we shouldn't tell you who's playing. No.
2: Do you think, um, maybe to finish up, do you think that with this church, you've, you've sort of sneakily got that mystique because, for example, People are gonna come to a church. I know I know certain groups were a bit weary of playing because of the sound, for example. And so you do have one thing against you, which is like this very echoey room for a gig, which technically if you're a sound engineer, it's your worst possible idea. But you have to give yourself over to the experience because of that, rather than just going out on a random night.
1: Um <clears throat> okay. To answer you never know right we're in here and there's five people here and this place can seat 500 if we 400 people as someone said yesterday if you'd 400 people that were bald it's going to sound a certain way and if you four 400 people that have afros it's going to sound different and that's still 400 people so a you can't judge the sound until it's full of people so the only way to find that out proper is fill it Um, secondly it is your classic you know, reverb sound, big hall sound, you know, we're not putting it on. Hello, hello. No, that's me just messing. <laughs> but, um, no, you work with it. You don't put on bands that belt the shit out of the drums. You know what I mean? Because if you belt shit out of the drums, it'll just be a cacophony of crap. So you you program accordingly. Ironically, you could put you know, uh, electronic here, because other than your man, his laptop and his few bits of gear, you can control the volume up and down. So it's just, I would argue, bands that play big drums, are if you had some bang dance music, but we're not going to put that on anyway, because it's seated. Um, so, uh, uh, when you speak about some bands that were worried, I just say you've got to have faith, like George mm-hmm. Michael says, you've got to have faith. And um, and it becomes something, do you know what I mean? Because I know, the, 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 the other way of answering that is that, I know, give us, you know, uh, some time, we will have amazing gigs here, you know, absolutely amazing gigs. I'm sure there'll be some okay gigs. Obviously, like many things, the first few times, you're, it's, you're gonna have teething problems like anything else. But still, as long as we get 95% there, that's okay with me, you know?
0: So it sounds like um, you're doing the eight gigs over the course of August, yes. and you, you're kind of keeping the keys to the place then, and kind of playing it by ear over the over the next few months.
1: D- that basically that's not for me to answer. It's the city council. But what we have with Damien O'Mahony, the guy, and Maeve Dunneen in the Arts Office, kind of said, "Let's see what happens." Mary, uh, Mary Hickson from for Sounds of Safe Harbour. There's three gigs definitely here in September. We've spoken to the Film Festival, we've spoken to the Jazz Festival, and definitely we'd like to do something at Christmas. So what we're saying is, as opposed to going, we have to be open next Thursday for some guy that's going to get 25 people, some goatee jazz rubbish. We're like, no, no, no. You got to say we need to be getting 200, 250 and up. If the band, if you don't think the band's going to get that, there's no point in doing it. So what I would say is that you know, And I'm not saying this monetarily like, oh, we're going to make fortunes, but I really would when I mentioned earlier Bjork or John Grant or Sinead O'Connor or, um, you know, the list goes on, you know, John Hopkins or, you know, Nicholas Jarre or, you know, I don't know, you can throw names at me. I go, yeah, 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 let's get them. But what I'm saying is... If an act or an agent or the management think, wow, that sounds good, and you have a little portfolio behind you, as we will at the end of August, then it's easier to show them pictures, show them this, show them that, and say, well, what we're trying to do is something very special. I mean, in other words, what I say is like, when you ask me do I go to gigs, like, I've gone to loads down the marquee, I think it's brilliant for Cork, super duper, but at the end of the day, it's big tent slapped on a load of concrete, or a tarmac for that matter, down, you know, in the Docklands. I do think when the conference centre slash massive venue up in Beamish Crawford is built, that will do a lot of good things, you know, for it, just basically on bringing people into the city, you know, so, you know, I just think with this church, I think it has a complete unique quality that is, I'd go as far as say world class. So I would agree with you that, you know, the room is a bit, you know, live. But in saying that, you know who's to say if as time went by that the, the city council didn't say okay how do you dampen it and it's like look put a bit of carpet down put a bit more material take the the clank out of it but um, you know by having people in here that will help as well.
0: So I guess we'll leave it there then do you want to do the uh, the little pitch Facebook and Twitter?
1: Yes. All um, that,
0: all that stuff. If you can we're, remember it,
1: uh, on Facebook we're live at St Luke's uh, on Facebook. That's without an apostrophe, even though we use it in real terms because that's proper, <laughs> proper grammar. <laughs> then on Twitter we're live at St Luke's, but we're not using it that much. Um, we have a website, liveatstlukes.com. Um, so, you've so basically, a, you've got a church made for Instagram. As well. Why? What's the? Why is they even gone so mad about Look Instagram? At it. I don't know, it's I don't beautiful. get that, I'm a bit old school, I love <laughs> keeping up with Twitter and Facebook, <laughs> even telephone run your calls, Instagram account, yeah maybe. man, why not, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, of maybe interest to people here, and this blog, you'd probably say Little Green Cards on the 29th, but by the time this might come out, it's probably sold out, we've got Panty Bliss, Donald Lunny and Paddy Glacken, which is trad, Mary Black, maybe for your mothers, tell your mothers to go, our fathers, for that matter, your aunts or uncles, and then what else do we have? Eddie Reader, uh, Collins live presenter, Mick Flannery sold out already, so that's about it.
0: Okay, thanks a lot for that, Joe, and best of luck with the festival.
1: Thank you very much, Anne. I Thank guess. You, Did you,
0: do anything? Nah. So. <laughs> uh, stay tuned. Coming up, we have an interview with Joe Liogue. He's talking about independence.
1: because of you I haven't slept away
0: Okay, joined now by Jolie Oak from the Irish Examiner you were down covering independence in Mitchellstown at the weekend how was it?
3: Uh, yeah, it was really good uh, unfortunately same can't be said about the weather which on Sunday was absolutely atrocious but uh, you know it held up okay Friday and Saturday but Sunday was really bad but
0: we got by You You live nearby so you've come previous years and you haven't been camping, you haven't been uh, doused in mud and...
3: Yeah, I had that luxury, alright, like, like I'm from, from I, so it's only just down the road, so uh, I wasn't camping at it. Uh, I have camped at it in a couple of previous years, but uh, this year I, I had the luxury of home. Yeah, and w- like, how did the campsite hold up? It looked like it held up okay, I mean, as best be, as can be expected, considering the amount of rain. and um, Like, there was a lot of straw brought in and stuff like that. I do know that on the Sunday they had to move one of, the, like, the car parks or something like that, that they, they were telling, advising people to park in a different location, just out of fear that cars might get stuck. But I think given how heavy the rain was in Mitchum on Sunday night, I think it held up okay. Like, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, it was, it was really bad just in Cork City, so I was like, oh, man, they're getting... Doused in in Mitchell's tent, but then I was reading your review in Tuesday's Examiner, and uh, I see that all of the the main tents were, um, yeah, they were tents. They weren't open stages.
3: Yeah, everything's indoor. It was last year. I think was the I think was the first time that they did it. That they had, you know, like a lot of festivals, you'd have the open air main stage, and then all the other stages would be in tents. But uh, last year and this year, everything was under cover. I mean, even. You know, you had your little sidebars with DJs, they had all cover as well. So, I mean, the good thing about it was okay, the rain was pretty bad, but there was no reason to be out in it for too long. It's a small enough, you know, relatively speaking, a small enough arena size. Everything's covered, so the only time you have to be exposed to the elements is if you're going between venue to venue, you know. And did they get like
0: crowded? at any point. Were they, were they always jammed because it was always raining, the tents?
3: Uh,
2: the, o- the stages? The only
3: time I know, I mean sometimes you might approach one and it looks like it's jammed, then you realise as you get closer the people just kind of belong the periphery who are just looking for shelter, but once you kind of go through that initial line there was room yeah. inside. The only the only time I saw a tent that I thought was absolutely jam-packed was uh, during covid onset. set. Mm well
0: um, anything anything we need to add to that no <laughs> <laughs> i did see one of our friends on facebook just said yeah so a code line they're actually worse than i thought they were
3: um they drew uh, we saw a bit of them they drew a huge crowd a lot of people singing the words back to them it left me cold but um it, you know what they're doing something right they got a massive crowd but biggest crowd the weekend mm-hmm. without a doubt um bigger than j- basement jacks bigger i'd say uh, than what was supposed to be Ash headlining on the Saturday night but they had to cut that short because Tim Wheeler had the flu um, so Sandwich took over so they had a bigger crowd again than, than, than either of the main stage headliners on Friday or Saturday. How long was Ash's set on the Saturday? It was hard to know because Ash I, I missed the very start of Ash and um, came in, it didn't seem like it was very long like saved me maybe half an hour
0: He tried to give it... It was a throat problem, wasn't it, that Tim Wheeler had?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, he kind of came out and uh, it was... uh, I kind of read up afterwards on social media kind of what was going on because I kind of got in there not really realising this because in between the song, Tim Wheeler was apologising. I wasn't really sure for a while. (laughs) I'm sorry
0: we're so bad now. uh,
3: No, I mean, I thought they were good, but I mean, uh, I think at one point he said that we're not going to do much of the newer stuff because it's hard for him to sing. Uh, so, I mean, they did, They did. of what I saw, was a very short set of kind of the hits. Like, they finished with Girl from Mars and, and oh. things like that. So, I mean, it was it was disappointing, but, I mean, they kind of gave it a go and were very kind of apologetic. And I think they won the crowd over, you know, by giving it a bit of an effort anyway, you know.
0: Um. Just talking about the code line drawing, the biggest crowd, like last week on this podcast, we were talking about independence kind of Independence and Castle Palooza kind of replacing the likes of Oxygen as you know a teenager's first festival or something, and it's kind of you know five or eight thousand people, and so like was that what it was? It was very much a young crowd, or was it kind of a mix of everybody?
3: I think during the day you had a mix of families, you know, who might have come, who might have gotten like a day ticket, maybe. To me, it looked like it was kind of, you know. Would we go along for a Saturday and bring the kids and go see a couple of bands or whatever, and then maybe go home as the evening got on. I mean, the age profile of campers was very much you know, teens, early 20s, I'd say, it was was from my own observation the yeah. large makeup. But there was a bit of a mix, but yeah, I would say. If, if the demographic was predominantly kind of early 20s.
0: And you say in the piece that the predominant clothes on show were vests and shorts as well. well that's the same in every Irish yeah. festival. Like, Any you know. headdresses?
3: There was a few headdresses, I like, uh, my sister dropped me out one day and she says that every year she just gets wound up by the girls wearing the, kind of the floral headdress, the, the, the flowers in her hair, yeah, right. but this year that kind of has seemed to been phase out in favour of uh, Native American headdresses. I, I thought there
0: what you were going to say was that your sister dropped you off and you got out of the car and straight away someone put a headdress <laughs> on no, you. I,
3: no offers, no offers, but, but yeah, the... the the Native American headdress now seems to be the um, bizarre festival headwear <laughs> kind of choice.
0: Um, was it noticeably busier as well because it was an increase of 3,000? Yeah, awesome?
3: I think for a festival that size, that's a significant increase. I mean, you know, to go from five to eight is a big demand on the capacity, and I suppose not just the capacity in terms of the size of the venue, but the, the resources. To be honest, it didn't feel like maybe now people might have been camping, I disagree with me, but I mean, we kind of keep an eye on social media. I haven't seen any negative reaction on that side of it. I mean, it, it seemed to hold up fine. Like I said, the only time I saw that I saw anywhere that was uh, like genuinely packed was coal um, It seemed to hold up really well, which which surprised me because the venue, like the main venue, just for all the stages and everything, were to me seemed around the same size as last year. Um, but it certainly didn't feel, I don't think at any point it felt uncomfortable or, or overly packed or anything. I mean, I've been at festivals before where they've upped the, the capacity, like Primavera comes to mind, that I was, I was at that uh, in kind of earlier years and then they kind of upped it and you started to feel like there was more of a crowd, when you were walking between stages and the way they kind of shoehorned in other stages next to each other, it felt a bit more packed. But uh, no, I mean, it, it felt... It felt okay, it felt comfortable, I don't think it... I was actually quite surprised at, at how relaxed still it was, considering how many more people were there.
0: And just about the music now, we weren't overly enthusiastic last week about the lineup. I mean, uh, what was good that you saw over the three days?
3: Friday night was my highlight, in that I kind of had a good straight run of... Uh, I had uh, Jape, RSAG, bit of Basement Jacks, and Mark Lanigan. And that all went into one. And I really, like, that was kind of, for me, that was the best stretch of the weekend. Um, Getting it out of the way early. Well, I mean, it almost kind of, for, it was a little bit more spread. I think, um, yeah, I, mean, I think something that I thought was slightly lacking this year, that, that they did in previous years, was, I mean, the, for example, one year, they had a kind of a, cura- a stage curated by um, Sergeant House. All right. And they kind of did stuff that. And there, was, there wasn't... That this year, I think if they were, I mean, I suppose look, they got they sold out eight thousand tickets. They had the the feedback online has been overwhelmingly positive, but just my own personal preference is if they maybe had a little bit more uh, diversification, maybe even just get uh, have one of the stages and maybe give it to somebody else and say, you know what we do, give us something a little different. But I mean, as I said, it, 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 it certainly worked for them in terms of. Selling tickets, getting the people through the door, and I mean, as I said, like I just out of curiosity, and can kind of keeping an eye on Twitter and Facebook and stuff since, and I, I've, I've honestly yet to see one person complain. It's
0: just me giving out <laughs> events. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, it was a crap line of people going.
3: But I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it it's uh, like like I said, the the, fr- the Friday night was certainly the, my my best night, and over the over the rest of the weekend, I, I saw like. I saw uh, enough good acts too. Um, I thought maybe by Sunday, kind of personally, just once the Dandy Warhols were done, in terms of the bands, the Austin, the there wasn't a whole lot else Um I was actually quite pleasantly surprised by the Dandy Warhols. I wasn't really, yeah. didn't really know what to expect had heard bad things about their live show and it was kind of one of those sets that you go along to and then you realise, oh I forgot they did this one as well. You yeah, know, you really, it, it wasn't just that one song. It wasn't just you know the Bohemian Like You, it was a few others. Now maybe that's because, I mean, I don't know, did I recognise him from Knowing Dandy Warhol's, or did I recognise some of the tracks from Dig or you know things like that but uh, yeah, it was it was a decent set. It was, it was quite enjoyable. It was quite yeah. Yeah. and like I said, there's like a few more of their tracks that kind of once I heard it was like, oh yeah, they do this as well.
0: And like did those did the acts on the Friday night, the likes of Jape, get a good crowd, or was it still kind of you know, the the site didn't fill up until
3: Saturday? Um by the time Jape was on, Jape was on at nine, people had gotten in alright. There was decent enough crowds. Uh I felt bad for uh, you know, I mean, somebody has to be the early act opening, you know. And I was there for Elastic Sleep, who were on very early on Friday, and t- t- the crowd, for, and they were on the main stage, and, you know, when it's early on on the Friday and you're on the main stage, it, it just looks so much smaller than it was. Yeah. Um, they were followed, actually, a band I'd never heard of before, they went down, a band called Turbo Wolf. No. Who are, it sounded exactly as you'd imagine a band called Turbo Wolf sound. They were just this kind of, like, Mad rock, kind of. A, um, and, and I mean, they came out, and I counted when they came on stage, I reckon there was about 20 people when they came out. Oh man. But they absolutely gave it socks, and by the end of the set, the place was. I, I think people just walking by were like, what the hell's going on in there? Um, like, as I said, didn't know anything about them going in, I was just kind of there after Elastic Sleep, just thought I'd check them out, and uh, yeah, I mean, the front man was just kind of you know, swinging his mic around the place, just giving absolute socks <laughs> to, like, a handful of people. And they really pulled in the crowd off the back of it. Like, wow. Well, um, you know? uh, that takes a lot of
0: effort to do that, and to actually does. follow through
3: with that. Yeah, I mean, to just to go out and say, well, this is our show, I don't care how many of you were here <laughs> yeah. to see it. But, but I mean, it worked for them, because they got in a big crowd. They got a lot of people who, I think, were ready to, you know, launch themselves into the weekend. And it was really <laughs> kind of... Mad upbeat performance. I think a lot of people appreciated it.
0: And on Saturday night, there was there was something about a DJ playing too long or
3: something, and the the Gardaí pulled the plug. I saw this afterwards. I wasn't there for that. I mean, there's a couple of like a lot of festivals. There's a couple of like smaller bars that would just have DJs on. Um, there, the kind of there was a Red Bull bar. There was a uh, Canadian Molson had a bar, and there there was a and there was a one Captain had one. It was at one of those. I assume. Um, Guess he went on too long or whatever, yeah. but uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, there was no hassle. I mean, I, I kind of i wasn't just there reviewing, I was kind of doing the news stuff as well. And part yeah. of that was checking in with the guards, and I mean, they were they were happy out with it. I mean, they've, they've never really had much hassle about it. Yeah, I mean, it has been. I mean, you know, you we were saying earlier, like talking about like auction and lecture picnic and how it's a younger crowd, and I think in some ways, I mean, I remember back when Oxygen was going people kind of compared Independence and Casabalooza as almost like the younger siblings of Oxygen and Electric Picnic, and now Casabalooza would be a bit more uh, alternative and a bit more aligned to Electric Picnic's thinking and Independence like Oxygen, but I also thought that was kind of an unfair comparison because I mean Oxygen, when you say Oxygen, kind of has connotations for a lot of people in terms of the crowd and the the vibe at it but uh, Independence has always been very relaxed and quite, you know, I mean People might say, Look you know, or look at the demographic it tends to attract in terms of the age group. Yeah. I kinda of think, Well, I don't know what that's gonna be like. But it's very relaxed and very chilled out. I mean, the all the the only guard action I saw over the weekend was guards stopping to pose for photos of people, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, um yeah, I mean it was that, yeah, there was that DJ set pulled, but I mean I think I think that if that's the worst year trouble, that yeah, music yeah. festival is pretty good, yeah. cool, you know?
0: I, I guess the only thing would be that, like, is, is the music kind of ending too early? Is the curfew too much of a hindrance to the festival? Like, that's what I love about Electric Picnic, that, you know, the music goes on yeah. until, like, 6am. It's bad for the people who go into the tent at, you know, 12 o'clock, you want to get some sleep, but it's great for yeah everybody else
3: well I mean I suppose that's the trade-off you're gonna to have to accept I mean the, the, the thing a lot of people like about independence is its proximity to Mitchelstown I mean if you've never been at it it's you go out the old Dublin Road from Mitchelstown and I mean it's just it's just north of the town it's walking distance into the town so I mean if there's you know if you just want to go in and get a nice meal mm-hmm. sit down somewhere if there's a GA match or whatever on that you want to go see Mid sound is just there, so I mean the trade-off you have to have with that then is obviously you have to stop the music. You know, I think, yeah, I think, yeah,
0: that's true. I think half two is, is fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. Um, it sounds like they have a really good relationship with the town, and just the, the festival does. Mm-hmm. And just in your piece, you kind of leave it open as to where independence goes from here. Do you think that they're going to increase capacity again, or do you think that they're kind of tied down
3: now? I have no, uh, honestly, I have no idea and I, I, don't, I don't think they know themselves right now. Like, I think they'll sit down and have a look. I mean, I remember interviewing the organisers a couple of years ago and saying, you know, you're 5,000, you're selling out 5,000, is there any temptation to increase? And even at that at that stage, we're kind of saying, well, we'd have to look at it and have to be feasible and marked well because, I mean, the thing is, once you go above the 5,000, you there's licensing implications for that. So, I mean, they obviously had to do that this year. Um, you know, does the site they're on the farm does it have the capacity to take on more if they want to? Um, how will the town feel about it or whatever. I mean, the thing, uh, and it's kind of gone over again and again about Independence's story. But I mean, it is. It's organised by a group of people from Mitchellson who took over the town festival and made it a free thing and have grown it into this. Um. I suppose it's up to them as to what they want to do. Do they want to grow for Do they want it to be a bigger festival? Are they happy keeping it as a small or medium-sized festival or however you define an 8,000-sized festival? Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's worked again from this year. It's sold out. And it wasn't just one of those, like, PR stunt sold out. Instances. I mean, there was those signs on the ticket desks as you went in saying, seriously, we have no more tickets left, like, you know. Um, the, the So, I mean... I think it depends on what the, the guys themselves want to do. I think I think they've been taking a very very softly softly approach. They don't want to you know go too big too soon and have the whole thing collapsing the on themselves. You know I think and I think they've done a good job at that. This I mean they were at five thousand. This is I think this is its fifth year at its current site. They've been at they've kept it at five thousand over those five years up until this year, and it it's worked for them. So it it's. I mean, I suppose they'll take stock of how this weekend went, and uh, maybe over the next month or two, maybe I'll have a sit down and a chat. about Because I mean, um, I don't know. Like I mean, the, the other elements then have to be considered. Is like I mean, like that rain on Sunday. I mean that there was work involved. You know, taking that on board. I mean, I think the, when you see the amount of work going on, to bring in all the straw, to bring in extra staff, to shore up the place. You know there's an awful lot of work in that and if you up that capacity again to 10,000 mm-hmm. that's more ground to be covered on a day for the rains or whatever so I think that's yeah I mean, that that is kind of like as an outsider looking in what's kind of interesting about it is are they going to will they keep it at 8,000 for another few years and look to expand again I, I'd be I'd be very surprised if they decide next year to go up again yeah. I'd say they might keep it at this and see how that goes and maybe if they think they have the potential to go up again they will but uh, i'm just really speculating to be honest yeah, yeah
0: um i guess we'll leave it there then yeah okay Jolio, thanks a lot cheers folks thanks a lot for listening to the show we hope you enjoyed what you heard for more on live at st luke's you can go to facebook.com forward slash live at st luke's for more from Ogue, you can follow him on twitter at Ogue. that's l-e-o-g-u-e we hope you can join us next week for another new episode of the point of everything uh it should include keelan Sherlock interviewing bridget power rice a new rising irish singer songwriter so we hope you can Join us for that. I've been Owen O'Sullivan. Thanks a lot for listening.